Hello there, and welcome to this week's instalment of Let Me Pull On Your Coat. I'm your host, Peter de Villiers, and in this podcast, I'd like to take you on a quick journey with five stops, um, which I call Through My Eyes, A Pebble In Your Pond, A Quote, What I'm Reading, and A Record of the Week. And in today's Through My Eyes, um, it's something that happened. We, we got a new inquiry in our business. Um, and it's just talking about this guy's business made me realize there are so many examples of this around us and we tend not to notice. So what happened is the, this guy sells organs, um, not lungs and kidneys, um, church organs, um, that kind of thing. And it suddenly just made me realize when we're talking about the system that we might build for him and, and everything like that is that last time you were in a building, be it a church or a hall or um, if it's the right kind of house, a house that has an organ in it, you sort of might notice the organ and especially in churches and stuff, that's just where organs are. Um, but we... We don't tend to think about how they got there. We forget that, well, someone had to make it. Someone had to sell it. Um, someone's maintaining it. Someone's looking after it. There's, there's a whole world of things that need to be in place in order for an organ to sit somewhere and be used. And it's the same with, with many things. You Next time you get on a train, just try and imagine how many people had to show up for work so that you could get a train into a city or into a town? How many people have to keep showing up to work so that you can get on a train and go? Um, Jordan Peterson, in one of his lectures, he used the example. He said, well, people in front of him, 2,000 people sitting in an auditorium with the lights on. How many things, infrastructure, and how many people have to keep showing up to work in order for 2,000 people to sit in an auditorium and the lights are on. Um, and there's all these, it's almost like there, there are these discrete universes that's responsible for these things and we, we tend not to notice them. So um, talking to this client Nelson about his organ selling and installation business just made me realize there's if you think about that there are multi the multiverse, there are multiple universes, it seems on, on that level it's almost true and they intersect each other and, and whatever, but um, just really made me, reminded me of um, those kinds of instances where we see things and we use things and we forget about the thousands of things that need to be in place in order to make that possible. So... Moving on to the pebble in your pond. I was listening to a Sam Harris podcast, um, and I'll link to it. And they start off the podcast about the folly of thinking you can multitask and the circumstances under which you might be able to multitask, but how generally it's just not a thing that we can do. You're really flip-flopping between two tasks, and there's efficiency loss and you'd be far better off finishing one and then moving on to the next in a focused manner 
But later on in the episode, they talk about brain elasticity and how the things we do physically changes our brains. Um, so you you can think of it this way. One of the things is the only way your brain can make memories, the only way you have memories is because physically the structure of your brain is changed. The cell, the connections, the synapses, everything, it is physically changed by you having an experience and remembering it. And then you think about, okay, um, well, it's not just the big things in our lives, the big memories, the big interactions, and maybe trauma that causes a physical change to our brain. It is every single thing we do. Every person you have a conversation with, more so people you repeatedly have conversations with, the people you hang around with. Um, and it, it, it made me think that our brain is very much like a mountain. We all know a mountain sits there, piece of rock, soil, the wind blows past and over time changes the shape of it, um, the rain, um, fire, anything like that changes how that mountain might look and sometimes you end up with something like Death Valley, um, which is um, so scarred and so formed, but it's all just over the right period of time. That's what water and wind will do to rock. And our brains are the same, except we have the ability to choose where we place it. We can choose who has an influence and what has an influence on the physical state of our brain. And this, this, this doesn't stop when you're 35 or anything like that. It's not just children's brains who develop and are affected. So the pebble in your pond is really just to pause and have a think about who and what are you allowing to repeatedly change the physical state of your brain? And are they or those things good for you? Which brings us on to our quote. Um, and this ties in with the book I'm reading at the moment because the quote comes out of it. But the quote is by Mia Hamm. Um, who, like me, if you don't know who she is, um, US soccer star, um, Olympic winner, uh, World Cup winner twice, I think. And the quote is, many people say I am the best woman soccer player in the world. I don't think so. And because of that, someday I just might be. And I really like that because you, you, you have to remember that no matter how good you are at what you're doing, someone's going to catch you up or someone's already in front of you and the hubris or arrogance of thinking well i've achieved this thing i can relax is when records are broken and when you fall off the pinnacle of what you're doing uh, sort of it made me think about um about usain bolt for instance when he after he set the 100 meter world record the next race he didn't think well I've got the record now I can be slower because it gives opportunity for someone to beat him in the first place and for someone it it, it generates belief in his competitors that they might be able to beat him repeatedly and beat his record so 
having that record doesn't mean he can stop. And it's the same. Having one Olympic gold medal doesn't mean four years down the track you are still the gold medal winner. Um, so, yeah, many people say I'm the best women's soccer player in the world. I don't think so. And because of that, someday I just might be Mia Hamm. Which, the book that that was in, what I'm reading, I'm still on Thinking in Bets, um, Making Smarter Decisions When You Don't Have All the Facts by Annie Duke, um, which I'm really enjoying. And the the bit I want to mention to you this week is um, to observe your own bias. And we all have this. Um, it seems to be innate and it's very hard work to become aware of it and to try and avoid it and to work on it but it seems definitely worth it and that's the fact that when good things happen to us when we achieve something we put it down as our own skill and ability that caused it and when bad things happen we put it down as bad luck so in in the context of the book which deals a lot with playing poker it's when you win a hand with a particular strategy, then you're a genius and that strategy is brilliant. When you lose a hand playing the same strategy, then it's just bad luck. Um, but it goes another level further where it's, well, the good things that happen to your opponent, you naturally put down as they're having good luck. And the bad things that happen to them, we naturally put down as it's their lack of skill or ability. Um, and we, we, we seldom treat other people the way we treat ourselves. But it's very important to try and remember that you can't take credit for the good things and put the bad things down to luck. Um, my wife Sophie has this bad habit um, that I try to work on <laughs> of when the kids try to do something and it doesn't work out. She always just like, oh, bad luck. But she never, when they do when they do something good, when they achieve something, she'll never say, oh, that's good luck. It, it's always, didn't you do well? And see, you worked hard and you got this and, and that. But when, when things go wrong, it's immediate, it's, oh, bad luck. Um, and I think it's a very good example. And, may, and I suppose um, Sophie is most definitely not unique in that approach um, as a parent. Um, she doesn't really always necessarily know that she's doing it it's just second nature and then you pass it on to the next generation but I think it's worth thinking about the the fact that well if you're going to take credit for the achievement you also have to inspect and take credit for when things don't work because yes you might not be a hundred percent responsible for what caused it not to work but you most certainly can't put it down to hundred percent bad luck your skill or lack thereof and decision-making will definitely be involved. Um, so that brings us on to my record of the week. Um, I've been listening quite a bit to John Mayer and the album Continuum. Continuum, um, And it's got, obviously, him on guitar and vocals, Steve Jordan on drums and at the production, and then Pino Palladino, on bass and they're, they're like a super trio it's just incredible playing from everyone um and the whole album i mean um i i couldn't really pick necessarily a favorite song 
about it. Um, but his lyrics, everything through it is very um, way beyond his age and experience, I would say. But that's sort of generally his things. Um, but I think the highlight tracks for me would be Belief, track three. And then just as an idea, um, track eight, Slow Dancing in a Burning Room, um, which is quite good. Um, and I also like the idea of gravity. Um, when he says too much of a good too much of something isn't necessarily a good thing um, so yeah um, go and check that out that's John Mayer Continuum um, with Steve Jordan and Pino Palladino and with that we're at the end of this week's episode thanks for joining me um, hope you can be here again next week I will be and you'll give me another chance to pull on your coat.